friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. And I, it turns out, am one of the last normal people there are. Uh, my name is Kayla. I'm the host and now the only host. So <laughs> trying something new now. Um, shout out to the longtime normals um, for sticking with us. New normals. Uh, welcome to the mayhem. Um, <laughs> um, figuring out how to do this myself. So this could be interesting. I think it will be interesting. And I appreciate um, everyone hanging out while uh, through the creeks while the house resettles. You know what I mean? That being said, let me quickly bring in my guest here <laughs> before I just chat by myself for too long and spiral out. My guest today the guest of all the normals is three-time champion by the time we get done with this episode she created the show choose me an abortion story um she's also the author of two books welcome to the pod hannah gamble hi (laughs) celeb guest hannah gamble also aka Best pal of me? Best pal, hello. <laughs> or one of my best pals. Welcome to my guest ship on your podcast. Yeah, so I reined back in my best pal, Hannah, three-time champion, ooh, to help ooh, me ooh, um, ooh, ooh. scoot over to doing this solo form, so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> comfortably. Yeah, hopefully in the future, I guess we'll. I'll just always have a guest, and that's cool too. Okay, Hannah, welcome back. Hi. Hi. Hannah previously was on our episodes Wild Nights with Emily, which I think is an archived up now, uh, and Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. So check those out, too, for more Hannah content. Yeah. <laughs> we probably, like, did more of an interview thing on those, but third time, like, what's left to ask? No, absolutely nothing. Nothing new has happened since, let's see, <laughs> when did we do Rarely? I think that was, like, that was like September? the summer. No, yeah. I remember recording the Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always episode in the summer when I had just come back from Denver. It was very mm. hot in your apartment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that I was wearing a strapless tropical onesie, so it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to um, Central Air, which I did not have in that apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did not. But such a crucial thing for life. Yeah, so nothing left to ask. Mm-mm. Should we get straight to the straight to the goods? Let's do it. I'm ready to rein myself in to be a good <laughs> co-host because obviously, yeah, when I was a guest the last two times, I just let myself go and I was like, Kayla can edit any of this that they want to. <laughs> but now I'm trying to do you a favor and reining things in. And I mean, I'm just here to help, serve, support, cheerlead. Hell yeah. <laughs> I still will edit the pod, though. <laughs> I know you will. I know. So you don't have to be too concerned. <laughs> okay, so we picked the 2018 film Skate Kitchen, which I believe Hannah picked off of my list. Mm-hmm. So what drew you to this movie? Well, actually, I have skateboard envy. And mm. when I was like nine years old, I had a wooden banana board. Wow. Uh-huh. And I rolled down a gentle hill of my driveway. It was pretty short, but I've never been so good with like the rough and tumble sports and the things that oh, you me neither. 
<laughs> no, I, I was going to ask such a you, chicken. actually, I didn't know, like when you were a child, did you ever, but I'm such a chicken. I'm really, I'm also really afraid of falling. Mm-hmm. I've always been really tall. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not like hugely tall. I'm like five, nine, but uh, I've been five, nine since I was like eight years old. What? So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fucked insane. up. I know. Uh, since fourth grade, and I'm, and I'm, you know, a larger person. And so when I fall, what I'm getting at is when I fall, I'm coming from a tall height, and I got a lot to work with, and it doesn't go down well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm really afraid of falling, and there, and I'm, I'm just such a chicken of hurting myself. I never want to, like, break or sprain or anything. Yeah. So I don't skateboard. I do ride bikes, but even then, I'm, like, very... And I used to rollerblade too, but I don't go fast. I don't do tricks. I'm not doing anything risky. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing all the pads and helmets. <laughs> like, yes. Such a chicken about everything. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I already knew this thing about myself too, because I think it happened for the first time when I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. Once I was playing dodgeball with some fourth grade boys at church or something, we're playing dodgeball and I fell on the gym floor and like hit my tailbone and then I like passed out and had a seizure and so Ah. there was that whole thing where I was like oh if I like fall and hit my elbow or my knee or my tailbone or even if I bite my tongue I might like have this very intense Mm -hmm. seizure so it definitely also deterred me from well let's just say it's deterring me from learning to skateboard at 38 because last Mm -hmm. weekend I was at a cute queer gathering where one of the you know non-binary hotties um, at the picnic table was like I could teach you how to skateboard and I was like I'm 38 and they were like no, really, like, it's not too late. Like, you don't have to have the muscle memory. I can teach you. And I was, like, so ready to do it. And then I remembered, oh, but I have this, like, random seizure disorder that doesn't exactly have a name. But if I hit my knee, it will probably happen. So I shouldn't oh, skateboard. But I want to. It looks like freedom. It looks so cool. Yeah, people make it look really cool and fun and easy and, yeah. like, they fall and it's like no big deal they get back up and I just feel like for me that just wouldn't be like for me who got out of my bed last week funny and like messed up my knee for three days like Uh, yeah (laughs) I just feel like it just wouldn't like it wouldn't happen like that for me you know yeah I feel that way too (laughs) I do like watching people skateboard and there's actually this Gus Van Zandt movie called Paranoid Park That is not Mm. all about skateboarding, but it just so happens to involve like some high school teen boy who does go to the park and skate. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is so dreamy. Yeah. So nice. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to watch. So this movie got on my watch list actually because there is a subsequent reboot of this movie, sort of. Huh? Yeah, so there's a subsequent reboot of this movie into a show called Betty. That's on oh, HBO Max. Oh, yeah. And I've been seeing advertisements for that. Yeah. So I watched this show last year oh. and I liked it a lot. And when I was looking up stuff about the show, they were like, oh, yeah, all these people were in Skate Kitchen. Oh. So there actually also is a 
um, a short film that came even before the movie called That One Day. So there are now three projects that are like reboots of the same group of people. They're kind of same story. Mm. And they're not they're not contiguous. Like they're not part of the same like cinematic universe or whatever. Mm. Like they tell the same thing over. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the characters have different names Mm. or something different's going on with them. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish that the show was like a continuation of what happens in the movie because it's kind of weird that they just started all over again and made it into a whole show Mm -hmm. um and they even i guess we'll get into this in a minute but like they even reused some of the footage from the movie Oh wow! so that's kind of weird i don't know but they are actually doing season two right now of betty it's coming out like weekly at the moment on hbo max so Anyway, check out Betty. <laughs> but maybe that's maybe season two is where your wish will come true that there will be a bit of like a progression of the narrative. I just think it's weird to like, like I get it if you, this happens a lot that people make a short film and then later turn it into a feature. Mm-hmm. That I kind of understand because you, it's a short film is almost like a, um, what's it called? Like um, proof of concept. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a proof of concept. I can understand why you make a short film Mm -hmm. and then turn the same story into a feature. Mm -hmm. But making a short film and then making a feature, a full feature, and then going into a show and still using the same exact characters and concept from scratch again, that just seems strange to me. I just wonder if it's kind of a practical decision because it's like there's so many movies I never would would have heard of Skate Kitchen if I hadn't have just seen it on your, you know, list. On my list. But once something's an HBO show, it's like, okay, maybe a lot of people are going to watch this. So maybe you like feel okay about You think you're hitting a different audience. Yeah, exactly. I guess so. I don't It just it's just weird. I've never known anything to do that. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I don't know. What's weird, not that I like want to spend much of this podcast talking about David Lynch, but I do think (laughs) about how like sometimes when you watch a bunch of his movies, you kind of think, okay, a lot of the same themes are being employed. It's like they're kind of, you could almost see some of his movies like, okay, he's giving it a shot this way. You know, like Mm -hmm. he wants to tell a Hollywood is dark story and living in LA destroys you I mean I don't know that that's but let's just say and then he like tries that with Mulholland Drive and he tries that with Inland Empire and I don't know but that is different it's still different because you're still different yeah it's still really different (laughs) these are the same characters like having the same lives and the same core issue yeah I think it's just got to be about like different different Mm -hmm. audience kind of deal but I don't know I'll be interested to hear more from you about like what you kind of liked better because yeah and we'll get into it and you know despite like me thinking it's weird I have watched all three I'm not like caught up on the show because like I said they're dropping season two currently Mm -hmm. so um but I, I did watch the first full season I did watch the short film and I have watched the feature now And even though I do think it's strange, um, like I said, I do still think that they're each entertaining in kind of different ways. Mm -hmm. And they use some parts of the story in different ways in in all three. And um, I do still think that they're all worth watching. Mm -hmm. I probably would say watch – well, I don't know. I was going to say I probably would say watch Skate Kitchen 
over all of it. Mm-hmm. I think it has the most focused. It's the most focused out of all of mm-hmm. them. And I think as a project, it's the most whole. Mm. But the show is also really cool because it goes into each of the characters a lot more and they all have like more developed lives and it's a lot more queer. Yay. Yeah. This was like minimally queer. Minimally. It was a little queer. Marginally queer. Incidentally almost. <laughs> the show is very queer, which is obviously of me and Hannah's interests. <laughs> And I do like that, but it, but because it goes into all the characters, it does kind of still start with Camille mm-hmm. um, and then goes into all the characters. So it feels a little unfocused in a way, mm-hmm. which is like a downside. Yeah. So it's like a little bit of a trade-off. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting a little deep on, on all that before we've even fully introduced the movie. True, <laughs> true, true. Okay, so this was directed by Crystal Moselle, who um, every article I saw about her mentions that she directed... The Wolf Pack, which I've not seen, but seems really cool mm-hmm. as a documentary before this. I've seen that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've not seen it, but it sounded really cool. And I think I'm going to watch it now. Yeah. And then in the acting roles, we have Jaden Smith, who uh, obviously, I think everybody knows who Jaden Smith is. Mm-hmm. The um, child of Will Smith also was in, they've acted in some stuff, Pursuit of Happiness, probably mm-hmm. the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Elizabeth Rodriguez from Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Nico Hiraga from Moxie and Booksmart. We did Booksmart on Pod before. With the exception of those three, everyone else in this movie is non-professional actors. This movie is based on an actual group of actual, whatever, girl skaters. I hate to say that, but Hmm. whatever. That group has seven core members, and they're all in this film. So all of the skater, skater girls, I hate to, it sounds so reductive to like, but whatever. This movie is about being woman or presenting as a woman in a male-dominated sport mm-hmm. and uh, and trying to break into that. So, like, the their gender is important here, but it does sound so reductive to say the girl skaters or whatever. <laughs> the group of skate kitchen, the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all in this movie. They're all real skaters. The cool. only person in the whole movie who had to have a skate double was Jaden Smith. So mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone else doing their own stunts. So... That's all the cast anyone would recognize. Hanny is going to read the critic scores for us. So take it away. This movie got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then another 87, oops, sorry, 89% from Google users. So same score as Rotten Tomatoes. Hell yeah. And mm-hmm. that's pretty good score it's a pretty good score and i don't know we'll see how i score it after we've like talked about it for an hour but i feel Mm -hmm. like 89 like really you know that works for me that sounds about right from where i'm sitting right at this moment yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i'm down okay well let's watch the trailer and then we'll get into it okay for a while i was feeling really lonely loneliness that you have even in a crowded room but I don't feel it anymore do you like dick or pussy I like boys (laughs) no boys are just uneducated hey can you do an alley no bro I'm a poser you use tampons you don't can't they kill you hey mom yeah I'm at the library 
No more skating, promise me. You know you can stay in my house if you need. See you at the park the other day. You were killing it. Skater died, bitch. <laughs> you like? No, I, no, I don't. Camille, are you fucking kidding me? What's on with the kitty pool? Why are you skating with them? Get the fuck up! One thing that's true about both the show and the movie, great soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Agree. It has that. Lots of jams. Is it Dinosaur Jr. that's the first song that's like, Everybody, baby, Emily, Nadi, what? That is not Dinosaur Jr. Oh, no. You know what it is? That's not Dinosaur Jr. at all because I don't even, I don't think I listened to that band. It's called <laughs> Junior Senior. That's. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I love that song, and it was a lovely soundtrack. Yeah. This is going to be, I feel like, big, most powerful, like, feminism episode. Ooh. <laughs> well, we have no boys on the pod for the first time in screen vomit history, because we've historically had a boy host. You're wearing a no men t-shirt. I am wearing my no men t-shirt. I did just start my period this morning and then we watched this <laughs> movie all about like powerful women and NBs breaking into a male-dominated sport. I have my powerful friend Hannah on. Absolutely. The most <laughs> recent um, comment that I've made on anyone's social media post was ban men from telling stories in movies about the struggles of non-men to BH. It was just, I have a friend who, I mean, kind of a literary friend who like has been writing recaps of The Handmaid's Tale. And Mm -hmm. I don't, like she's writing jokes. She's a funny person. And somehow the executive producer of The Handmaid's Tale, who's a dude apparently, like got really angry with her and started like screaming (laughs) at her on Twitter. And I was like, anyway, that is what was the context for my comment. Just like ban men from like being in charge of telling these stories, please. Yeah. And especially ban men from telling rape stories. Ugh. Oh my God. Absolutely. I will. I haven't even. AKA The Handmaid's Tale. Well, exactly. (laughs) I haven't watched The Handmaid's Tale since the first season because I heard it got even more torture, even more rapey. And I was like, no fucking way am I doing that to myself. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Fuck no. (laughs) Because fuck that, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, so we are set in New York City. The director, Crystal Moselle, spotted Camille, well, the actor who plays Camille, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, on the train, asked if they wanted to make a movie. Just kind of spotted him out in the wild. I know. And so that's when they made the short film, which was Mm. successful, and then started kicking around the idea of the feature. Mm. And you can tell a big difference in the acting between the short film and the feature Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. While the feature was being written, the girls like went to acting classes and improv classes and blah, blah, blah to try and get better at it. Cool. And throughout the process, like the gang, the skate kitchen would kind of just kiki with <laughs> with Crystal and like tell her about their problems and like sleep on her couch Aww. and she would just kind of write 
and create situations based on the stories they would tell, film their interactions, and then kind of edit the material with a documentarian's eye. She mm-hmm. considered actually making a documentary instead of a more scripted this is only this is only loosely scripted, I think, even, mm-hmm. but they at first considered making this a documentary and changed. To that be makes a, sense. a dramatized version. Yeah. And you can kind of feel that, I think, like with the way it's filmed, like in sort of a handheld style mm-hmm. and a lot of the dialogue being sort of, I don't know if it's all improvised. I didn't really read anything saying either way, but it feels so natural that it there's no way it could be 100% scripted, you know? I totally agree. Like... When they're, like, hanging out in um, Janae's room, like, smoking weed, and it's, like, right before Janae's dad is going to ask if they want lasagna or whatever, and they're just kind of talking about, like, do you like boys or girls or what's up? Like, all of that just seemed very much like, I mean, in a good way, just kind of seemed like a filmmaker was, like, talk about whether you, you know, just kind of, like, yeah. Talk about your pussy. Talk about if you like dick or pussy. <laughs> Do you think you have a normal pussy? Ask your friend about it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Normal shit. Yeah, totally normal mm-hmm. and natural combo. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I do really like. Um, and I, I don't always like that, but I feel like they just – because it's so easy to not do well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I think they really do it well in this film. I think they really do a good job with it. So mm-hmm. I did really like that in this film. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, and then also the title, Skate Kitchen, they came up with the title of the group, Skate Kitchen, as a like tongue-in-cheek retort to some of the terrible comments they got left on their YouTube oh videos about where women should be. Oh, God. <laughs> rather than skateboarding. Jesus. So I think that... Uh, <laughs> I never really thought about the name until I read that. And I was like, oh, that is kind of like, that's kind of cool. Because before you're just like, whatever, Skate Kitchen, that's the name. I didn't really think one way or the other about it. But as a retort to uh, where people think women should be, I think that's a good, good uh, something they come up with. (laughs) Yeah. It's also just kind of weird to think that, I mean, like, I know, you know, Camille's character at one point says to her mom, like, I'm 18. So then I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. they're 18 because who can tell how old anyone is? But (laughs) I was like, okay, they're 18. That's fine. But it's just so weird to think of, like, in real life, like, girls who are still teens being told, like, you know, what women should do. It's time for, you know, kitchen work and laundry work and baby making. And it's like, these are like 18 year old kids. Like, why are you even thinking of the kitchen? Like, why can't we just be like, well, I don't know. I was about to workshop how someone was uh, enforcing um, traditional gender roles over YouTube. So that probably doesn't even need to happen. But it's just (laughs) weird to think like, of telling an 18-year-old kid, like, mm, get in that kitchen and be cooking. Like, it's, when I look at these kids on skateboards, like, I literally see children, and I'm like, hey, kids, are you hydrating all right? Like, that's what <laughs> I would be doing. Like, kids, do you want some sunscreen? What about a helmet? But I wouldn't be like, kitchen time, you're a wife now. Like, it's just, even the kitchen comment just makes it seem like these people aren't recognizing that, like, these girls or women are still also kind of like 
kids? I'm going to guess, and I don't know, but I'm going to guess that actually the kitchen comments probably came from people their age, like their peers. Ew, I feel what? like I feel like especially high school. Ew. And, and I think this is probably, hopefully, knock on wood, changing for the younger generation, but like I feel like in high school especially like kids are trying to figure out where they fit in the world and what mm. they've had fed to them is the gender roles and they've not had the time to mm. – um, to break that down and and see why that's happening and mm. really think about it. I know that I had a boyfriend in high school who made kitchen comments. Ew. <laughs> and that's when like people receive the most body shaming is in yeah. high school because you're thinking this is the way people are supposed to be, you mm-hmm. know? They're supposed to look this way, they're supposed to act this way, they're supposed to their gender is supposed to align with this and that thing. Um, because you don't know yet that everybody's a weird freak and, (laughs) you know, um, and that people can be whatever. So, um, I'm gonna just guess that it was actually people their own age, but I don't really know. And yeah, you're right. (laughs) 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 But that's, you know, part of like what a big part of what this movie's addressing is that like that it's stupid for like yeah. <laughs> people to be excluded from a space because of their based on their gender. Yeah. And these girls get really harassed at certain times mm-hmm. for like for just being girls, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> in the space that they're in or they get kind of bullied even. Um, yeah. Which is fucked up. I liked that before we really see the cuz like maybe sort of in the middle of the movie or even a little past it when Camille is trying to like hang with the guys for a while they're kind of like see if you can keep up which of course was like maddening but I like that we were kind of eased into it by I think the first time that our attention is called to I don't know just kind of a guy commenting on like oh what's a girl doing with a skateboard is when the skate kitchen crew is just walking past some like dude sitting on his front porch and he's like yeah can you ollie and she's like no I sure can't I just like carry she says no bro I'm a poser that's why I have this shit yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. And then they kind of riff on like a skateboard is just like a fun accessory. Like I just carry this around for fun. And yeah. I thought that was like a perfect response. It was. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm going to rewind this a little bit and go through what's happening at the beginning. The whole movie's basically a character study about Camille's character. Mm-hmm. And her character is based pretty closely on the actor's actual life. Mm-hmm. They're the same age. She turned 18 during this film, and also grew up on Long Island, uh, and also has a Colombian mother, um, and I think dad out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So she starts off as a like lonely skateboarder by herself on Long Island, getting bullied, like we said. One of the first things that happens to her is that she breaks her ass skating. Oh my god, <laughs> I was not what they expecting. call credit carded, if anyone's familiar with the term. <laughs> I learned it, and I understood what yeah. it meant. Oh my yeah. god, I was not expecting the movie to start that way. But I mean, honestly, that was a dope way to start the movie. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and that's also based on a real experience oh from the gosh. actor. That's happened to her twice. Oh god. Like, lots of blood, have to get stitches whole, whole night. I was trying to imagine, like, what was needing to get stitched up. I was, like, wondering if it was more external or more internal. I believe it's external based on other things I read about it. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> about her experience. So 
one of the questions that was asked in an interview that I read was, is it worse for a woman to get credit carded or a man? And the answer was that like kind of it's complicated, but on women, usually the injury is worse because the skin is so thin and there's just bone underneath it. So like it hits really hard Uh and, uh, and then can tear really easily, but... On the other side of that is that, I don't know how deep we want to get in the weeds here, but like vaginal tissue is, it heals really well. Like mm-hmm. they're like, it doesn't even leave a scar because it's kind of meant to be torn oh, during God. birth, right? So fuck <laughs> like, our creator, Kayla. Fuck I know. the Christian God who made us, LOL, JK. So the first time that happened to her, it healed up in a couple weeks. The second time it happened to her, she had to get more stitches and it took a couple months. Ooh. So that was a real, based on a real experience. Wow, yeah, for (laughs) sure. And that is also one of the scenes that I really remember being in the show. Uh, And I believe was exactly like, I don't think they reshot it. I think they just reused it. Yeah. Makes sense. But still, like I said, I think it's kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah, yeah. Kayla was disappointed. (laughs) Crystal Moselle is on your hit list. Like, I get it. You're mad at her. Okay. (laughs) You have a vendetta. Moving on. It's a feud now. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, we're feuding. (laughs) No, please come on the pod. (laughs) But, um... Because of that injury, her mom is all like sketched out about skating and pr- makes her promise not to skate anymore. And that is one area where the uh, fictionalized version differs from her real life because her real mom didn't really care that she skated, but she also said wasn't exactly supportive of it. Mm-hmm. Just like what she said in this interview was like, my mom would buy me like Uggs and North Face jackets, which are like worth a lot of money, but I would just be thinking like, oh man, I could buy could have bought three boards with how much you spent on this North Face jacket, yeah. you know? So <laughs> I think it seems like her real mom wanted her to be more girly or whatever, you know? And well, her mom says like next, you know, if you keep skating and this happened again, maybe next time it would be worse and you wouldn't be able to have kids. So it's like the first time that (laughs) we see that her mom is kind of invested in a certain kind of like life path that she's going to have and that like having kids like assumed to be like extremely important and you wouldn't want to fuck that up and all that so yeah triggered (laughs) I mean just a little but (laughs) yeah so she makes this promise to her mom not to skate anymore but instantly reneges when she sees a girl's skate sesh post on Instagram that's happening in the city and goes goes to meet the girls (laughs) hell yeah and in real life, Nina Moran, who plays Kurt in this film, which is the like long blonde hair lesbian, mm-hmm. that was the first like female skater that this actress like ever knew. Aww. She found Nina Moran on YouTube and they just had like an internet friendship going for a while and then became IRL friends when they were like 15. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um Kurt comes in strong because when we first meet Kurt, she's even stronger in the show. Uh, <laughs> we don't even see her face at first, but we can see her backwards cap that's all like bedazzled and stuff, but she's like, "Oh, I just got fingered in a bush." And that's like the way that is like the way her character is established. Like, I'm not even lying. 
She's like a big stoner, big lesbian, and just has like a big boisterous like, there's really no filter there uh-huh. on her. <laughs> uh-huh. And she's kind of nasty, but kind of loud, but also like she's got your back. For sure. Yeah, I like her character. I do too. Uh, they go a lot more into her character in the show, obviously, but. I could see myself being friends with Kurt. Like, I think I have friends, you know, that are like boisterous, loud, like, you know, maybe sometimes could be seen as a little extra by some people, but I got a big mm. personality too, so I'm like, fucking bring it. I can handle it. <laughs> be you. Yeah, so she's cool. And yeah, most of this story, especially early on, focuses on Camille and like how she's awkward and like trying to find her place to fit in kind of mm-hmm. thing. And once she meets the girls, that's kind of like mostly over for her. Mm-hmm. Done <laughs> and deal. And she talks about that. We heard it in the trailer too about when she says that like she's always felt so lonely and she doesn't really feel that mm-hmm. anymore. And I really like the way like in the movie when she's saying that, you know, one thing this movie does is that like it'll kind of be showing you something that's happening while everyone's just hanging out, but you'll be hearing like a very specific bit of dialogue. And you don't know whether it's like happening in that moment or a little later or a little before or whatever. But when she's saying that at some point, there's like, you know, a shot of different sets of hands, like putting these little bracelets on her arm that we see her wearing. And I thought that was so sweet. I really liked that super physicalized, you know, just really concise image. Sort of a friendship bracelet. Yeah, it is a friendship bracelet scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that was great. Um, In the short film version of this, that scene was played a lot more emotionally. Like Mm. she's crying and Mm. it's like everyone comes over to like hug her. Mm. In a way, I did like the crying in the short film because they didn't do that here. Mm But I do like the visual representation, like you said, of the bracelet thing. That's Mm -hmm. a little more, like, creative and unique. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the way they did it in the short film is a little more, like, like a little too showy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, (laughs) maybe more classically, like, cinematic or, like, traditional Mm -hmm. where it's, like... Just, like, showing you literally what's happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, or being like, oh, look, a character's crying. She's feeling emotion. Um, and they're here for her because they hug her when she's crying. But I sort yeah. of like... The friendship bracelet is a little more like symbolic. Yeah. And less literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then we kind of see a little bit of like her having these, uh, uh, like a handful of little experiences that show how she's fitting in now that she wasn't fitting in before. Mm-hmm. So like one of these is that early on when she credit carded herself, the boys had posted a video of her credit card, like a, a video of her like failing, biffing, whatever. And even though she's successful a lot of the time with her tricks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when we see the girl's Instagram, they're showing pictures of her succeeding. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they're lift, they're like being more empowering to her. Mm-hmm. Whereas the boy one's more like, look at this girl, like, mm-hmm. fucking up skate. This is why girls shouldn't skate, you know? Yeah. I think that made her feel really good, too, just, like, having someone to celebrate her owning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after that, too, the period conversation, which we kind of mentioned, but, like, it's like this is the first time she's been in a group of girls, like, and been able to talk about this kind of stuff. For sure. Which means that it's the first time that people can kind of tell her, like, oh, you don't have to be scared of tampons. Yeah. And I remember that, too. And I think 
I like I said, I don't know because I feel like some of this stuff is changing for the younger people. But like, I know for me, I never really had like very open conversations about that kind of stuff till I was in my mid twenties, and I found a period meme group on Facebook. Ooh. <laughs> and like, just like to be as candid, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I just remember what that felt like for me, and it made it feel like a lot less lonely of an experience you know Mm -hmm. or even just being able to talk with my friends who menstruate about Mm -hmm. like more specifically about what's going on not just like I mean beyond just like I'm on my period or like whatever like getting into the weeds about how it affects the rest of your body or like Mm -hmm. your flow or like what you use or stuff like that like totally that was stuff I had never talked about totally yeah like I I mean, you know, my mom was very much like use pads and apart from that, like when I had cramps and stuff, I don't ever remember her saying like, oh, a heating pad could help or here, take these Advil. Like my job as a Southern Christian homeschooled (laughs) teen was to just pretend I wasn't having a period because saying the word period could somehow... uh, Summon the devil. Yeah, like cause my, (laughs) uh, you know, Christian brethren to stumble because it would remind them that I had a reproductive system, which of course turns everyone on. And then they're going to have boners because... Men famously love periods. It makes them horny if we know anything about men. Biggest boners for (laughs) vaginas that are gushing blood. Yeah. So don't talk about it. And I remember even getting yelled at because I hadn't properly concealed my wrapped up pad in Ugh, the yeah, trash. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, it, there was just so much shame around it when we were growing up. A ton of shame. And do you yeah. remember, this was something that probably I started noticing maybe in like the early 2000s, there was like, now your pad wrapper doesn't have to make a loud crinkly sound because we've <laughs> wrapped your pad in quiet plastic so no one has to or like making the tampons look like candy or was a big thing for a minute what okay i missed that but the tampons (laughs) all big when i was in high school which was what year uh early to mid 2000 okay all right maybe this was all lining up yours were looking like candy in uh indianapolis that's where you were a (laughs) teen right and mine was just in silent quiet plastic in uh, tennessee but just the stupidest stuff i remember even like when i was in college and i would come home for breaks or whatever my family got a dog while i was in college and my dog loved to go in the trash can and like munch on my wrap oh my god that happened to me a couple times and so the dog like munched my pad and then left it like in the hallway and, you know, my mom goes bajonkers, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I didn't even know dogs did this. Like, I'd never been around a dog yeah. before. I was like, I didn't even know they were hungry for vagina blood, okay? Yeah. But, yeah, fuck yeah to periods being normalized. And now all of my friends, whether no matter what genitals they have, no matter what gender they are, if I am feeling like shit and, you know, I will explain to them I am on my period. But I remember that even 
when I was in graduate school in let's say 2000, like seven, eight, nine, ten, kind of range. I remember that my male friends still kind of found it like, ooh, wild, what an interesting renegade of a human if they had a female friend that would openly share when they were on their period. Yeah. And they weren't even necessarily shaming her, but they were just saying like, she is like mega punk rock, mega eccentric, just one of the weirder people I know because she actually doesn't, guard this secret with her life yeah normalizing talking about periods really rocks it's and, so yet, great. and now we're like able to share tips too not even just on a level of like relating to each other but yeah. like you mentioned heating pads yeah. which i'm currently wearing as we discussed yeah, yeah, pre- yeah. <laughs> pre-pod but like i didn't even know that a heating pad was something that would help me because I, I get really really bad cramps and i just suffered for like a really long time until somebody, until I joined that fucking Facebook period, <laughs> and they're like, use a heating pad when you're on your period. And guess what, folks? If you haven't tried this and you get cramps, it helps so much. It's like the only thing that will help if I'm having real, real bad ones. Okay, well, the only thing if you want to be straight edge like Kayla Bates. Yeah, I guess some people use weed or stuff like that, but I don't. I don't do You don't things. do that, and I respect I that. I will but take an ungodly amount of Tylenol, though. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but Kayla, did you keep know? Keep it coursing through my veins. <laughs> did you know that that is literally how I started smoking weed? Because I was kind of scared of it. Yeah. But it literally was that in my early 30s, my period cramps started being, like, so life-altering mm-hmm. that I was, like let me try some of that weed and then I was like wow this helps but you know you can't do that all the time god gotta work your nine to five etc I did try CBD for a while somebody told me do CBD and placebo did nothing to me dang that's too bad (laughs) anyway periods check them out check them out (laughs) support your friends and do you know what I literally did you ever see those things online that They were like these machines that are like little electrodes and you could hook these little electrodes up to a Mm. dude's abdomen. Yes. Yes. I've seen those videos. (laughs) Oh my God. I want that to be part of high school curriculum. Um, For the normals. Yeah. These electrodes make men feel allegedly what cramps feel like. And there are videos you can watch of the men using them and just like, fucking freaking out and then a woman puts them on and is like yeah this is this isn't even close to as bad as my actual cramps are. yeah 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 and the guys are like what no the guys are like Help. how are you alive and yeah. we're like yeah we've been trying to tell you meanwhile y'all are making fun of us for having periods all the time you have no idea what we go through yeah required by law except that i hate the yeah. government but you know let's work it out <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on from periods, it's just all that to say that she's finding people that she truly connects with for what seems like the first time, and it's beautiful. We love to see it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. But she is because this is like a skate crew, and they're in the city and everything. She's been hiding this from her mom and telling her mom she's at the library all the time. (laughs) The classic, like, every show – 
that's ever happened or a movie where like a teen is doing something they're not supposed to be they always tell their parents they're at the library parents have to know come on oh my god this movie seriously made me think why didn't I lie to my parents more I'm just not a liar (laughs) I when I watch movies and shows about the teens I'm like damn I wish I would have had a more you know a less principled nature I could have had so much more fun as a teen but I was following the rules and I was just (laughs) trying to help my parents see logic that never worked and I had zero fun as a teen and I regret (laughs) it tbh because I would have skateboarded as a teen despite my seizure disorder I would have given it a try because I did think I was you know above death for a time like many teens. (laughs) As most teens do, yeah. You know, so man, I was watching this movie and thinking this looks like so fun. Their clothes are so cool. In some cases, Mm kind of what I dress like now. Yeah, I think I was less of a, I was less of a liar as a teen and more of a sneaker. I should have done that too. I should have snucked. I mean, I probably lied a couple times, but I would never say library. I would usually say I was at a different friend's house or that's also lying but you're just it's less yeah. it's not using the same picture library seems obvious like kids don't hang out at the library okay <laughs> except that i literally i hung out there instead of the mall and i read every large print agatha christie book oh my goodness yes i did and now you're an author look exactly <laughs> so where were we so her mom was overbearing. Yeah. Her mom's a little, a little intense. A little intense. And one of the times that she had lied to her mom, she actually misses the train and then ends up not coming home until really late. And her mom takes away her board. Mm-hmm. And at that point, she kind of severs the relationship with her mom for a little bit, mm-hmm. I think. After that, she starts staying at Janae's house. Mm-hmm. But then her mom does find her at the skate park and slaps her in front of everybody. It's a Ooh, big embarrassing yeah. scene. That was rough. <laughs> so yeah, she fully moves in with Janae after that. Mm-hmm. And and she spills her beans too about what's going on with her mom situation. Like that she doesn't actually like know her mom that well. They've only lived together for a couple of years. And um, talks even a little bit about her like gender experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know that like this actor like identifies as Mm non-binary or anything Mm -hmm. but like they seem non-binary i don't know if they've gotten there on their own maybe an egg an egg situation Uh because she talks about when she was young and like just starting to hit puberty like punching her chest in the mirror because she didn't want boobs um and always like doing boy stuff dressing in boys clothes playing football she actually did like the all this stuff was well i don't know about the punch boobs thing but like she actually did play football when she was a kid. Like, she was on the football team, like, was, like, a real tomboy. But she mentions, like, when she started going through puberty that it was weird being with her dad and that she just needed a mom at that time. So mm-hmm. she switched over to living with her mom, caused a riff with her dad, and now she doesn't speak to her dad, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. But that's why her relationship with her mom is, like, strange. Yeah. It was interesting to hear that story in the context of already having met in the movie Janae's dad, who just kind of pops in, can smell that the girls are all smoking weed in the bedroom, but like doesn't give a shit. And is kind Mm -hmm. of like 
you guys want lasagna or like what's good? And everyone's like, wow, your dad is nice. Which like me with my PTSD and all that, I'm like, is the dad going to be a, you know, child molester at some point? Yeah. Like that was absolutely <laughs> my fear. And then it was great that that was not the case. Like, oh wait, he's just like a normal, nice dude who doesn't have a problem like parenting a daughter. Cause they, they asked Janae like, does he buy your tampons? She's like, yeah, if I like ask him to, I just send him a picture or whatever. And so it kind of like highlights the fact that like maybe in Janae's family, like it's a dad and a kid and they talk to each other about what's up and what is needed and they just do that. But that possibly in Camille's family, like maybe her parents are a little more enslaved by ideas of gender roles. And so maybe her dad kind of got weird with her once he saw boobs and was kind of like, oh, I can't play football with my daughter because now she has to start finding a husband or, you know, whatever. Because yeah. we know that her mom also, you know, like wants her to dress more like feminine and it's like oh but you're so pretty if you just like took out the glasses maybe like someone could love you so mm -hmm. that was all like sad like just mm, like oh Camille yeah it is and I hope that she gets to explore her gender more going forward <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> second two or season two of Betty Maybe so. Camille goes non-binary. She becomes a she-they. That'd be dope. Yeah. Since it's been like a year or so even since I watched the first season, I can't even remember if it gets addressed in the first season because it might. Mm. I think I think at least the um, – what's the character's name with the, with the nipple pasties? Ruby. Yeah. I think at least um, that they talk about gender if That's not more cool. people. I also loved that they do a little no-hugging representation. Yeah. Like, they, they're able to, like, set boundaries yeah. or express their needs and have them respected. Yeah. And have them addressed. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. Like, what are you, a no-hugger? Yeah, I'm not a hugger. Oh, that's cool. This person's a no-hugger, too. It's fine. Yeah. It's, like, not even an issue, which is how it should be. But totally. But, unfortunately, not how it always is. But, yeah, that's just, like, another way in which she's setting her own boundaries mm -hmm holding her own ground and actually being respected as a person mm -hmm. as opposed to what was happening to her before. Yeah. However, after this, we get a weird, they go to a like indoor skate park and then it's like a rave. I, I don't know. That whole thing was like, what? where are we? What's happening here? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they go to this party and then all the, there's like five of them sitting in a like area and two couples start just like fucking like right there basically. yeah pretty much while camille is just like kind of fifth wheel like on her own awkward Ugh, it's so awkward to be in that situation i know <laughs> i hate that i have uh, always like i do not like to be around people that are making out i can hear people's no. like kissing mouth sounds I just feel like this is private for me. I like for things to be delineated. So like if you want to publicly make out or fuck or whatever, like go to a sex club. It's all cool. Yeah. I've been to one. I like I like that stuff, but I want it to be like clearly delineated. And if we're not at like a Like you've signed up for this. Yeah, we've signed not just up like for we're it. somewhere and now I'm in a room with people fucking. Yeah, which just <laughs> I thought I was hanging yeah. with my friends and now like 
someone who my friend is making out with is like actively reaching over and pawing at me, I was like, oh my God, that made me feel so claustrophobic to watch yeah. that. And she's kind of like a little asexual or something too seeming. I don't know. She just doesn't have like big sexual energy and True. for most of the time like isn't even expressing a lot of interest in anyone else. Like obviously she does develop a crush during the movie, but mm-hmm. like even then it's like this is my first crush and you're like 18 is kind of old to have your first crush. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe a little um, gray aromantic, a little gray sexual. I don't know. You would know better <laughs> than me. I mean, it's never like directly addressed that way, but she just doesn't have like big sexual energy. No, it's just true. doesn't seem, you know, Which it doesn't like seem a person like- you would drag into a threesome orgy scenario. For sure, whatever. for sure. It seems like <laughs> what we can perceive about her is that she like loves having a little posse and that she loves skating and she loves feeling free, but she mm-hmm. hasn't been like actively on the make. Yeah. Yeah. But she soon after does start getting a crush on Jaden Smith's character, who for a while we don't know why is like the enemy of her friends group. Mm-hmm. They start doing like photo shoots together. And we kind of slowly learn over time that the person that she's been staying with, Janae, and this guy used to date and it something went amiss there and Janae's not over him. Mm-hmm. So like for her to be like trying to bestie up with Janae, but then also kind of talking to this guy is a little bit of a stab in the back. Rut row. But we don't that drama doesn't come to fruition for a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it sort of it sort of bubbles under the surface for a minute. Because Janae, there's a time when she's trying to make a jump down some stairs. She's really scared about it and everyone's like, no, you can do it, you can do it. Um, and when she finally does it, she twists her ankle and can't skate after that. And um, and then just like fully has depression for a while. Yeah. So Camille didn't want to like reveal that information to her while she was having depression. Makes sense. Makes sense. But also it's like that it kind of makes it worse. It's like what's there's not really no like good way to like <laughs> to handle that, you know. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know me, like I'm looking at things through my very like ethically non-monogamous viewpoint. So I'm very much like no one owns anyone. And if you're not together, like, you know, because where I grew up in Tennessee, kind of the idea that like, oh, you should never date anyone who's ever dated one of your friends ever just seemed kind of like silly to me because I was like, whoa, like sometimes Mm -hmm. there's not that many people around. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But also, no, I I agree with you that just, I mean, one thing that I like, I really did like this movie. I, I liked watching it. I liked the soundtrack. I loved watching people skating. I loved that it was not just a bunch of like, wealthy people or white people or whatever whatever like I yeah. I liked the the diversity the diver well sure but I just liked the people was what I was mm-hmm. gonna say it was just the fact like who was being followed the actual like skaters and the girls and the, I was like yeah mm-hmm. this feels real but there were times where I was kind of like oh my god these teens <laughs> like sometimes when there was just like teen drama I was like okay I'm 38 years old like 
I wish yeah. they knew how to communicate with each other. So that I guess that's really just like it. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know to what extent a person has a responsibility to say to their friend and roommate, hey, I've been hanging out with this person that you used to date. We worked together. He took my picture. I don't know. We're getting along. I just wanted to let you know. I hope it's cool like that we're developing a friendship because I know you guys had a thing. I mean. Yeah, like the friendship shouldn't. I think be a boundary cross yeah. at the very least. But I think maybe it's because they think that she's like fully whatever, like fucking this guy. Right. Maybe that's the boundary cross, but she's not. Right. And she says so. that she's like, nothing happened, but I guess they just don't believe her. They were in a heated moment. Yeah, they were in a heated moment. They're like, oh, sure. Because you when you when him. that's how the information is introduced, yeah. then it's like, you've lied to me about this. So you could just be lying about anything. Yeah. And that's really the slight. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, teen drama. <laughs> well, and also just, I mean, but I get it. Like, you know, Janae has not been feeling like herself because like her favorite thing to do is skate. And she's like mm-hmm. just had to sit on the She's couch. already kind of vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. She's vulnerable and she already feels a little bit like she, uh, like she's on the outside of the fun, cool mm. thing. And that she's yeah. kind of like the quote unquote invalid and she's like missing out on lots of fun. And so... You know, I get why she's extra sensitive in that moment, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, she started to hang out with this boy more. He invites her to hang out with the boys, which I think at first feels like a win for her. Like, they're finally accepting that I can that I can do this too or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately doesn't go great. <laughs> oh, God, no. I This was yeah. actually a point where I almost, I mean... Luckily, they minimize the amount of time that we have to spend with these boys. But, like, when it was mm-hmm. clear that this is the part of the movie where she enters boy world because she's been expelled from girl world, I was like, oh, no, it's going to smell. There's going to be porn. No yep. one's going to be, like, eating properly or wearing sunscreen or helmets. Okay, no one ever <laughs> wears helmets. But... <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, we're spending time in boy world. And I was almost like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. But I stuck with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I think she's introduced to the world before the girls break up with her. They establish that relationship first so that when Janae finds out that they were hanging and she gets kind of booted from the girl group, that it's like, oh, well, okay, I have this boy group I can just go to because they already know me. So she goes and stays at their house and it's basically like a punk house (laughs) it's like it seems like there's just like a gaggle of boys who all live at this big old house or something yeah because they were like we have a bed for you in the living room so i'm like okay this is a youth hostel in new york cool i mean yeah (laughs) there's like a million dudes the house is all like fucked up and gross and the bed that she's sleeping on in the living room like other people are also in the room and they're like watching porn on the TV and being loud and blah, 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 being nasty boys. Yeah. But she tries to go stay in the guy's room and uh, tries to do a little make out with him or whatever, which doesn't go well because he only likes her like a sister. Correct. 
This was another thing I'm sure I, you know, God, I'm not going to like literally consult my memory right now, but I'm sure I've done, you know, something on this level of like going after someone who wasn't interested just because I thought that like everyone liked sex all the time or whatever and being like, this will mm-hmm. be fun. But And she's been subjected to their like, quote unquote, like locker room talk for yeah, like the past couple, whatever. Right. And all the other guys, you can see the, the wheels turning in yeah. her mind because the other guys are like, Oh, she just like grabbed my dick and I loved it. I yeah, was yeah, horny, yeah. you know. Right, and, like, right. So they're talking about how they love when women are like aggressively doing stuff. So she's like, "Oh, well, I guess I should be aggressively doing stuff." And then, yeah, doesn't go well for her. Either way, you can tell that like these girls are just kind of like figuring these things out. In like ten years, they might be in a really different, you know, place with it and have better understanding of all of this. But you can, so, yeah, like you were saying, you can kind of see the wheels turning where they're kind of trying to understand, like, this power struggle that is sexual attraction or at least heteronormative, like, unhealthy sexual attraction. Yeah. She gets upset that that he's not actually into her that way yeah. and goes back home and kind of makes amends with her mom because now she's messed up stuff with the girls and the boys. Uh-huh. And those are the only two genders, and <laughs> therefore she's got no one left to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> LOL, little does she know she could have talked to Hannah and Kayla about it. The <laughs> third gender. <laughs> maybe Ruby, too, and maybe herself yeah. in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But her and her mom do kind of make up, and her mom actually even tries skating a little bit. That it was seems like cute. She's gonna be chill. It was cute, yeah. And her mom is the one who suggests that she just apologize to the girls. Yeah. And she does. And that's kind of like end of the movie is just them like riding off into the sunset together down mm-hmm. the street, <laughs> which is beautiful. Yeah, totally. I do love just like that scene, or there's a couple scenes with just Camille riding down the street that just like, you really feel that that's like where they're happy mm-hmm. and where they're really free and mm-hmm. just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was super nice. So that's roll creds. That's roll creds, actually. So yeah, do we have closing thoughts or do you want to go into scoring this? Or did I miss anything? I don't. Too? I don't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, really, this movie, like for people who just want to watch some beautiful, like just freeing footage of like. Because like you said, it gives you kind of like this good feeling of like watching people who you can like see the freedom on their faces and you can see the wind in their hair. You can see their body just kind of swaying and adjusting to different like velocities and like, I don't know, it's just so beautiful and it very much feels like something I'm on the outside of, which is probably why I'm like trying to understand it better by like talking about it for five minutes so (laughs) on to scoring I guess I feel you though I feel you though and uh yeah and and as much as I mean this movie doesn't have like a ton of story bogging it down it is Mm -hmm. more of a character study Mm -hmm. it is more about the character and less about the story and so much of it is just like cool music and like vibes vibes and like environment <laughs> you know the sounds it's a big of the vibes city. movie yeah mm-hmm. vibes all the way and and just like yeah watching people vibe out or like do their tricks or whatever mm-hmm. it's still like really sick and it's interspersed with just enough like fun characters and other stuff to like make it worth watching it for two hours <laughs> and by the way it is at almost two hours 
runtime. I think it was like an hour 47 or something like that. And it flew by, in my opinion. Yeah. Moved really well. So um, <laughs> the longest um, part of it was when she was in boy house. I was like, God, this yeah. is a long three hours, but actually. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we can go on to scoring out of five. What do you think? I mean, I kind of like want to give it like, you know, like a four, a really beautiful, mm-hmm. like a nice four, like in quarantine, especially like. I would find myself just wanting to watch movies where I could like see like, oh my God, this is what rural China looks like. It's amazing, I say from my, you know, 400 square foot studio apartment. Like I really came to value those vibey movies that were like Mm -hmm. transportative. So even though I'm a writer, I love story. I love craft, blah, blah, blah. And obviously there is a lot of craft in this movie, but I did Mm -hmm. love that it did kind of feel like a documentary and that it did kind of feel like a mini vacation to New York City. I mean, the parts in New York City that I fucking love, like Chinatown. There was a lot of footage in Chinatown. So it was just a nice, you know, like a nice uh, vacation into a certain scene. It's a really dope indie film. It's so cool that these are like real girls or non-binary people, TBD, and Mm -hmm. that it's like real New York and just, I think... Just really authentic. That's its greatest selling point is like really nice authenticity and like good summer teenage skateboard vibes. Solid four. What do you think? Um, I'll probably say... Three and a half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I basically agree with everything you mm-hmm. said. I'm just scoring it differently. <laughs> no, I was actually debating between a three and a half or a four, but I was yeah. kind of remembering. I don't remember. I think it was uh, when we did Rarely, Never, Sometimes, Always that I gave it a four and a half, and you were like, what? Because I think you and Kali gave it like a five. So I was, I was trying to... You're trying to go be a little more generous. I, yeah, for me, it's also it's comfortably between. It's a all three subjective, and, a half and it kind of means nothing. But totally. But I think that we have made our feelings clear, if not yeah. numerically. So yeah, we did good. And would we recommend? I say yes. Totally. Absolutely. I wonder if like if men get as much out of this movie as non men do, because so much of it is like feeling right or like relating to what they're going through um, right like totally. I felt those experiences yeah. that yeah. they were having totally you know, viscerally <laughs> sometimes yes and so I wonder if I you know now that I'm thinking about it I did see several reviews over the because I looked at reviews for the short the feature mm-hmm. and the show mm-hmm. of some people just being like mm, I don't get why you made this, like, what's the point, kind of, or, like, there's no story here kind of things, and I'm willing to bet those were all men. I'm willing to bet (laughs) so, too. I'm willing to bet that if this was a movie with some dudes skateboarding and maybe getting a little crush and then maybe pissing a friend off and then maybe having a fight with a parent and then maybe trying to mend some of those relationships, it would be a whole other thing. It's because yeah. it's girls, you pieces of shit. I think that's the plot of mid-90s, actually. Yeah, hello. Do you know what the <laughs> 90s was? It No, like mid-90s the movie, the Jonah Hill movie. <laughs> have you heard of it? <laughs> but it is about boy skaters who have, like, family trauma. Oh, get the fuck out. I'm sorry. I thought you were generalizing about 
the movies that Jonah Hill made in the mid-90s. I was trying to clarify. Okay, sorry. No, I haven't seen that movie, but I'm sure you're correct. Yeah, no. So I totally agree with you. Anyone who is like, why did this movie need to be made is a man because guess what? There have been movies about just like a guy having a mildly bad day and it's a movie and everyone's Mm -hmm. like, congrats, brave sir. Dude, that was literally the movie I was thinking of. (laughs) Oh my God. We're smart geniuses with a psychic connection. Hell yeah. All right. So yes, we recommend. Yes. We don't know if men would like it. And we don't fucking care because... You know what? Because we have feminist energy today. So and because they've you know had what? their turn, now give us the next millennia. Yeah. And oh, by yeah. us, I mean non-binary people. Yeah. And the women that are skaters. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for Scream Vomit. Okay, so in this part of the show, we just talk about whatever else we've been watching, movies, shows, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, Hannah, what you been watching? Well, in honor of Pride Month, I'm just going to mention the gay things I've been watching. Hell yeah. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. last weekend, I went on quite the journée where (laughs) I first watched the 1997 film Wild that has an E on the end, and it's Stephen Fry, longtime comedic and intellectual partner of Hugh Laurie, famous for mm-hmm. the show House. House. Stephen Fry uh, plays Oscar Wilde. and But I had forgotten that, honestly, Oscar Wilde, for me as a writer, has been a huge influence, though I'd forgotten, because I read so much of his shit in grad school to write this 18-page paper about his themes, his na-na-na, whatever. This movie is wild. There is a very young Jude Law with the pillowiest lips you've ever seen. He's so pretty. If you want to see a tiny little butt (laughs) that belongs to Jude Law, get ready. It's there. It's small. Hell yeah. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so I watched Wild. It was just kind of... I didn't even know that Oscar Wilde was married. Did you? He was married to a woman. I really don't know that much about... Oscar Wilde. He is gay. He went mm-hmm. to jail for being gay. Wow. He, you know, it was pretty sad. It was one of those like, oh, fuck, it really was very bad to be gay in the late 1800s. Um, mm-hmm. It's cool. I recommend it. It's a trip. So I watched Wild. Okay, so it got me on this kick I like of gay movies, learn about gay culture before my time by watching movies. So I watched mm-hmm. a movie about Robert Maplethorpe. So the movie is just called Maplethorpe. Maplethorpe. Have I've you heard, heard of this, this guy? Okay. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched the movie, but I've heard of it. Okay, so Maplethorpe took a lot of pictures of Patti Smith because they were very close friends and maybe at one time kind of lovers, but like he really liked having sex with more queer people than Patti Smith. But he took pictures of Patti Smith and according to this movie anyway, he and Patti Smith lived in the Chelsea Hotel in New York, which kind of like was a refuge for lots of like queer people and artists and just, you know, people on the fringes, aka artists, whatever. So I watched mm-hmm. Maplethorpe. He's like um he's like one of the most famous like 
nude photographers, I think, or something. Didn't he have like a series of weenies or something? Well, yeah. One thing that this movie shows is that he would kind of like maybe take pictures of his lovers or like other, he would take pictures of maybe like leather daddies. Mm -hmm. And it also seems, I mean, that there very much could have been some, you know, the movie doesn't present him as a hero or anything. He might have been, he might have completely, let's say, fetishized some young black men that he was having sex with and stuff like that. So it didn't seem like he was like necessarily a great person, but yeah, it does just kind of give you a window into his life and how he sort of fell in love with photography and basically began documenting what at the time was an extremely controversial blah, 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 which really just means he was taking pictures of his gay friends and the gay people he slept with and you know, sort of revealing uh, aspects of BDSM that, like, a lot of people didn't even know were, like, a thing. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. Like, you know, none of these movies or well, at least the Maplethorpe, I would never say it was a great film, but, like, I want to just kind of learn about the before times of queer culture without having to read a book. So I watched these movies. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Hell yeah. What about you? Okay, so I've been watching a few things. Most, actually everything I'm going to mention has some queer aspect to it besides one, and that's just by chance. (laughs) (laughs) I was not doing a pride thing. Um, (laughs) So I guess I'll start with the gayest, which is I have been doing a Greg Araki marathon. He is a very notorious gay slash queer director, writer. He did a lot of stuff for like the the new queer cinema movement um, in the early 90s. What is the new queer cinema? Yeah. Uh, It was a, I've talked about it on pod before, but it's been a long time. Um, It was a film movement mainly like from late 80s to late 90s that was these types of films that were just very like ultra queer, unapologetically queer in response to how AIDS was being Mm. talked about and how people were being treated as a result of that. Um, So a lot of times they are more sort of colorful. Mm -hmm. They're just very, everyone is queer. It's Mm. every aspect of queerness. Mm. Um, But I'm a Cheerleader falls into this movement, if you've seen Uh that. For sure. I just recently rewatched it, actually, and it was interesting. It holds up. It's so good. Yeah, Greg Araki, I would say, is the king of the movement. I don't, I don't know if everyone agrees with me on that, but he definitely is a big hand in it. Um, his movies are some of the queerest things I've ever seen. Uh, I'm so in love with them. Please share and multiple titles, even if you haven't watched them recently, because I know I've heard his name. I watched three recently. Ooh. So I watched Totally Fucked Up. The Living End and Mysterious Skin recently. Yes, Mysterious Skin, which that came out, that's at least a decade old, right? It's probably. It's like 2002, actually. So it's like pretty old at this point. Uh Um, And that's like the the more recent of the three. And that's probably his biggest Mm. like title, I think. That had Joseph Gordon Levitt. It did have Joseph Gordon Levitt in it. Was it good? um, He plays like a gay um, sex worker. And. For him, I obviously, y'all know me, I looked up too much about it, but that was like him trying to break away from the like child mm. actor thing mm. that he had in like 30 or what was it? Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So he like went the 
other way mm-hmm. and did Mysterious Skin. Mysterious Skin, I loved so mm. much. It does deal with like child sex abuse. Mm. So like it's not for everyone probably, mm. but I think that it's based on a book too. Mm. So it's not actually written by Gregoraki, but it was so good and um, really, really addressed like the nuance of like how people handle that and mm. different ways people handle mm. that. Um, and I think it was done super well mm. for like the topic that it covers. Mm. The Living End and Totally Fucked Up are different than that, but they're just like, you've never seen anything queerer. And to think that these movies came out in like 1991 mm. is just like, it blows your mind and it's beautiful and <laughs> I love them so much. And they're pretty short too. And mm. the, you can find them free in different places. Everybody watch Greg Araki movies. They make me so happy. Mm, that's interesting. Kayla, have you ever what? listened or, I'm sorry, watched, I, like I know we've talked about Gus Van Zant before, but I just can't mm-hmm. remember to what extent because I thought of him a few times in the course of this conversation because he directed Paranoid Park, which had little right. skater boys shot in very like slow, dreamy ways. And he's very interested in like, homoeroticism between supposedly straight people and just kind of like how boys and men socialize Mm -hmm. if not so i did actually watch my own private idaho this week yeah tell me what you thought well my thought was that i watched mysterious skin right before i watched my own private idaho and then i watched the living end right after that and they all came out in the same within the same year Mm. and well, not Mysterious Skin, but The Living End and My, my Own Private mm-hmm. Idaho came out the same year. Mm-hmm. Bookending My Own Private Idaho with two Gregoraki films made me hate My Own Private Idaho, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> because I think it's just not queer enough. Mm, like, it yeah. feels like yeah. they were so worried about, like, ruining people's careers by making them play a gay person. Yeah, yeah. That they, like, tiptoed around it so much and barely addressed it, yeah. even though two of the main characters are, like, quote-unquote gay. It's just not very queer. And bookmarking it with two of the queerest films I've ever seen – even when straight people are playing the queer people, like yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is straight, you yeah. know? Like, artistically, there are things about My Own Private Idaho that I think are really cool uh-huh. and really genius, etc. Uh-huh. But, like, on a queer scale, yeah. I don't think it belongs in queer canon, personally. No, I totally agree, because, I mean, I saw that movie quite a while ago, and I liked it. But from mm-hmm. what I recall, it was very much like, mm, gay for pay, <laughs> gay for pay. <laughs> Only for pay. <laughs> Sweating, like, yeah. That's like my summary of... Everything I've read about interviews with Keanu and um, River Phoenix are like, no, we didn't care if we played gay. Like, who cares? Gay people are people and yeah. I'm an actor. Like, they didn't seem that they actually cared that much, but it seemed like everyone else was really worried that they were going to care. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, River Phoenix agent wouldn't even give him the script. Oh, my God. Uh, like Keanu drove him down the script personally on oh his my motorcycle. God. So- oh, shit. <laughs> I am wet right now. Sorry. So, you know, like. <laughs> yes. And I just felt like it really tiptoed around the queerness. No, I, as true. far as you were going to ask me if I've seen other Gus Van Sant movies, is that where you're going? Well, yeah, just because when you talked about Mysterious Skin, it did make me think of My Private Idaho and then, you know, the skateboarding. Mm-hmm. But what's weird about Gus Van Zant is that I would never say that his movies, or at least the ones I've seen, I wouldn't say they in any way belong in queer canon. They belong in like... 
exactly what I originally described them as, like that even though Gus Van Zant might be a queer guy or a gay guy, he's like fascinated in the sort of approach, like approaching the line, but not really crossing very much over the line towards Mm -hmm. gay interaction. He's interested in mostly straight people, but like homoerotic elements within it seems like he's interested in straight culture <laughs> in some yeah. ways. Sometimes maybe queer people just kind of, you know, want to examine that. Their interest lies in that, but they don't know. I would never say Gus Van Zant is like queer canon by any stretch. Yeah. But I want to watch Mysterious Skin, so thanks for bringing it up. Like You should. <laughs> I would like to watch that. So, beyond Greg Araki. Okay, <laughs> moving on. What what other 30 movies have you watched this past week? Well, I'm a, I I usually limit myself to 5. <laughs> but I grouped my Greg Araki ones into one group because it was three mm-hmm. of the same guy. I started watching this show that I think you would like actually and it's called mm. High Maintenance. And it's oh, on I love HBO that Max. Show. You've watched Ooh, it? I've I've watched it. Now, I don't know if I've seen the most recent I think there are four seasons, but it's all it's old. Like it's not yeah. like currently on or anything. <laughs> totally. I've watched it started in like twenty twelve or something. I've totally watched at least two, possibly three seasons of it, and I do like it. Go on. So I'm a fan of this actor, Max Jenkins. Mm-hmm. You know who that is, obviously, if you've watched the show. He's also in special recently. Dad Bod um, Icon, that's what I have to say. First of all, he's gorgeous. Second of all, he's a great actor. Yeah, he's and wonderful. Third of all, he's very smart. But I'm such a fan of his work. Um, I think he just has like, I mean, when he's on screen, you're just like sucked into every word he's saying. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just has a thing about him. Yeah, he does. And um, so I've watched a lot of, he's in a bunch of shorts and I've watched, I think, all all but one of them at this point. That was actually my introduction to him mm. was a short film uh, called Squirrel. But um mm. Or at least that I remembered, because I know he's in other stuff I've seen. What? Who did Squirrel? Alex Kavitsky. But you've seen Alex Kavitsky's stuff before. Okay, what? Because he did what? Didn't you watch... You watched his feature. Which was? On the Rocks. You watched oh, On the Rocks. Oh, that's and why I think, I'm remembering did you watch, that. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've sent you some of his shorts. So did you watch A Ripple of Nothing Significant? I can't remember. I can't remember. No, I know I watched. I think that's one I told you about. Okay, you did tell me, but I didn't watch it. Maybe. So he's in Alex's short Squirrel. Oh. Um, He's also in Dead to Me and like a bunch of other stuff that I've Mm -hmm. seen, and I just didn't remember him Mm. being in. I don't know. Mm. But anyway, that's when I really became a fan, Mm -hmm. and so I just started watching a bunch of stuff he's in. And people always mention in like interviews with him and stuff, or when he he does IG lives a lot. They always are talking about high maintenance. Mm -hmm. And so, because, you know, apparently, which now I've confirmed, um, that he has a bunch of crazy sex in high maintenance. (laughs) Oh. And so (laughs) he has, like, a big, like, gay boy fan base uh, who are always talking about him being naked on camera and having gay sex. Um, Anyway, so I started watching the show, and I really like it. It's, like, for the normals, for those who haven't seen it, it's, like, Every episode is kind of about a different character. Like, they recur later, but mm-hmm. each episode's about, like, one character or one set of characters. And what all of the characters through all of the episodes have in common is their weed dealer. Mm-hmm. But it's not, despite that being, like, what the premise is, it's not, like, that, like, 
weedy of a show. It's it not like you're like watching me. Pineapple Express or something. Yeah, it's not like that at all. Because I'm not usually really into like that kind of stuff. No. Yeah, and it's very interesting and it's really well done, mm-hmm. like really well done. Um, I'm actually was really surprised how good it is. And there's other people that you know, and it like. I think the second episode or first episode had like Bob the Drag Queen in it. And like, yeah, like there's other people coming in and out of here too. So like, so yeah, High Maintenance, that show's on HBO Max. Um, It rocks so far. I'm not Mm -hmm. that far into it, but I really enjoy it Mm -hmm. so far. I haven't really, haven't really like watched a show in a long time. I've been strictly movies Mm -hmm. and short films. Mm -hmm. I did actually try and watch Hacks recently Hacks. yeah oh Have you heard of this? totally it has meg stalter in it totally i was thinking of watching it because of who was in it did you not like it i did not like oh, it too- and i gave it actually like three full episodes and i think they're like an hour long mm. and uh i'm just not feeling it and i'm like i don't know exact i might have even given it four episodes i'm like i don't i don't know what people see in mm. this like meg stalter is really good but she's just being Meg Stalter, which you can watch on her Instagram in two-minute clips. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you don't need – I'm happy for her that she got this job. But, like, the rest of the show is, like – it's just people, like, being mean to each other constantly. Aww. And I just – I don't like I that. I don't like that. They're, like, not communicating and they're just being mean and rude. And it's all Aww. about, like, having quips that, like, break mm. somebody down kind Ew, of thing. Ew, no thank you. And I'm just really not into that vibe. Mm-mm. Okay? So – I don't need it. And also, I don't know, some of the things that have happened on the show that in the four episodes that I watched were just kind of stupid. Like, this girl got caught taking nudes in her boss's office. Like, why? She wouldn't have done that. You know, like, it's just stupid. (laughs) Anyway, um, so didn't like hacks. What else do I have on here? I got two more. I watched a short called Town Mouse that I really like, directed by Daniel, I don't know how you say his last name, giving it the old college try, Obzeja? I don't know. O-B-Z-E-J-T-A. Obzeja. Yeah. How you do that, I don't know. Mm. Um, That's not explicitly a queer short, but it does have a queer actor in it, Nigel Defries, Defries, I don't know how you say his name either. Um, anyway, I thought that short was really creative. Ooh. I don't think I want to even tell you what the plot's about because it might spoil it, the fun of it. But it was just really fun, really creative story. Mm. Really liked it, Town Mouse. Cool. Last one I'm going to say is the only straight film I watched. It's uh, They Came Together, the David Wayne movie from oh. 2014, I think. Have you seen this? Because it's like, it was pretty big. Okay, and I I've it. totally <laughs> heard of this. I'm Googling. It has Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. It's like David Wayne's take on like sort of a self-aware like takedown of rom-coms. Yeah, um, I think I did watch this, but I literally might have seen it like six years ago or seven, you know. Yeah, it came out a long time ago yeah. and I just never watched it for whatever reason, which is stupid because uh, I love David Wayne. Big fan of David Wayne like since I was a kid, since Stella, like at whatever everything mm-hmm, with American mm-hmm. Summer like some of my favorite shit on earth is David Wayne's shit uh, I think he's one of the funniest people there ever was he wrote and directed this movie mm. I never watched it why I don't know but he did have a feature two years before this um called Wanderlust that I hated and thought was terrible <laughs> so uh I think Wanderlust maybe burned me from his stuff for a minute but uh, and I was worried that they came together was going to be as bad as Wanderlust because mm. I had high hopes for Wanderlust. Mm. But 
they came together was perfect. I mean, I was choking laughing. Aww. So funny. It's like you haven't stopped laughing about one thing before the next thing hits. You know what I mean? And it's just so tight. It's a full like comeback from Wanderlust. It almost does like for rom-coms what Wet Hot American Summer did for like camp movies. Oh, cute. It's like the same thing, sort of, but even more cram-packed full of comedy. It's so funny. So funny. Great movie. Huge recommend from me. They came together. I laughed so much. I did a spit take eating an orange. <laughs> Can't eat this movie with snacks. It was rough. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> So, Hanny, it's time for plugs. Do you have anything to plug? Well, I guess the only thing I'll say, you mentioned that I have two books out, but I'll just kind of mention the second one in particular. It's mm-hmm. called The Traditional Feel of the Ballroom. I feel like this is a poetry book that like, a fuck ton of people will you know, be able to absorb, understand... Uh, appreciate anyway it'll officially be in the world in July and that's I don't know I guess I could mention that my web series that Kaylee you mentioned at the beginning of the show choose me an abortion story it is still streamable on OTV last I heard you could get a free trial membership for a week it's absolutely long enough to watch a web series that has a total run time of 58 minutes I think that's all I have to say. All right. Find Hannah's stuff online. Um, My plugs, I guess. The show's plugs. Screen Vomit's plugs. Follow the show on Instagram, at Screen Vomit. One word. There and everywhere else. We're on Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Um, Subscribe on your podcast app if you haven't already. You can send me an email at ScreenVomitPod at gmail.com or give a little tweet with your thoughts on this movie or other movies or suggest movies for me. Also, suggest guests, I guess, or if you're a person who is a creative in some way or whatever, in film somehow, film production or musician, I don't know, whatever. I guess I'll be looking for lots of guests. So this could go terribly, but in case it doesn't, um, uh, DM me uh, on one of those things or send an email if you'd be interested in guesting in the future and we'll see how that goes. Thanks everyone for dealing with the changes in the podcast. I know that that's scary for people who have been with us and loved me and Kali together. Kali's still my best pal. Nothing's changed there. And I appreciate y'all sticking with us through our little growing pains. And by us, I mean me and my guests. So gonna get used to that change of, what do you call that? Pronoun? Adjective? I don't know. What's us? Uh, anyway. I mean, us is technically <laughs> a pronoun, like us, we, ours. Yeah, so got to get used to that change. Anyway, we'll be working on that. And by we, I again mean me. <laughs> 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 so thanks, Hannah, for joining me in my very first episode as a solo host. Hell yeah, my immense pleasure. You are a very smart genius and a beauty and an angel and a friend and a rocker. Oh my God. And a scholar <laughs> and a better writer than some of the people I went to graduate school with. Oh my God. So fuck everyone but Kayla. <laughs> Full tears at the end of the pod. Um, all right. 
And we'll see everybody else next week. And by we, I again mean me. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>